You're listening to Irish Radio Candles Home and Abroad, and the month of November is a busy month in the documentary movie scene in Canada for Irish documentaries. And I'm delighted to be able to have a conversation with Emma Reynolds as she will talk about Phil Linnett, Songs for While I'm Away. And uh, Emma has been a documentary and produced documentaries, directed them, a number of them, and has been highly acclaimed and highly received awards for the work that she has done and uh, what fascinated me about when I saw this and Emer's involvement was that given that I was around Dublin in the 70s early 70s and thereabouts and Tin Lizzie were on the scene and performing I really had no grasp of how global Tin Lizzie had reached and uh, the crowds that they were drawing in Japan and the US and everything else. So it's fascinating to hear this uh, and to realise. And Emer, I want to thank you for coming along and congratulate you on a fantastic documentary. Thank you so much. Uh, thanks, Austin, for having me on to talk about the film. Delighted to. So, Emer, um, you got hooked on this, was it because you got a suggestion to you that this would be an interesting topic? Yeah, I was um, I was actually approached um, by Alan Marr, one of the film's producers, um, late in 2017. Um, I was just at the tail end of promoting my previous film, which is about a completely different subject entirely. It's called The Far. This is about space, about the Voyager program. And uh, I think you know he'd seen it. Was a bit of a fan of it, and, and heard that I was a a Thin Lizzy fan, and he was in the process of exploring the idea of making um, a film about filling it. Uh, as you know, I'm sure, being a Dubliner uh, or being an Irish person, that people have been trying and wanting to make the Phil Linnett story for the last 30-something years. You know, it's been attempted both in drama and documentary for, for many, many years. And uh, the time was suddenly right. The family, the estate were were open and interested in making a film. And Alan and, and the other producers approached me and said, would I be interested in, in talking to them about it and writing, a, you know, the, the film that I would, would like to see, what film I, I was interested in. So we started working on it together, and, and it all happened extremely quickly. I... I started. I wrote my script in early 18, early 2018, and we were shooting by uh, by that October. So uh, it was a, it was a dream come true for me, uh, being a, a Thin Lizzy fan, being a huge Phil Linnet fan, and uh, you know finally getting a chance to peep peep behind the, the curtain, you know, peep behind the image perhaps, and 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 see the man, the artist, the the person behind the image was a, was a great honor and a privilege for me. So, Imer, when you say you're a Thin Lizzy fan. Where did you become and when did you become introduced to Thin Lizzy? I had a boyfriend. Well, actually, my sister and my we had two boyfriends from the same school in Dublin. and They were huge Lizzy fans. I was an early teen, um, you know, 14, 15 year old. And, and this boyfriend was a was a mad Thin Lizzy fan and introduced me to all the early albums. Very clear memories of being in his house, sitting on the floor, playing all the vinyls. And, you know, like, you know, he was a proper fan, wanted to deconstruct all the albums, you know, track by track, which was the best song, deconstruct the lyrics, you know. So I, I was given a, a proper education in Lizzie and, and, in fact, through him, went to Lizzie concerts. I was at the very last Tin Lizzie concert in Dublin ever in um, spring of 83 in the RDS. Uh, we do 
Tim Lindsay were breaking up. I, I didn't for a moment think that they they would never be back again. I thought perhaps like all the fans, they were this was their last concert for a while and then maybe they'd get back together, you know, in another year or two and they'd be back on stage. But sadly, the way Philip's life went, that wasn't to be and that was the last time I saw them. But it was an incredible concert, cried the whole way through it. You know, this was... Uh, you know, cheap lighters held up in the air to still in love with you and singing along with Philip and, and um, I'm so honoured to have seen him live because they were they were you know an incredible band to see live his his stagecraft his charisma his performance you know they re- he really knew how to hold the audience in the palm of his hand and it was incredible to be there. And when you say that, of course, given when you're talking about, and that was the 70s and the 80s, um, he would have been, I don't think there was anybody else on the Irish music scene uh, that would have had the same command globally of that type of an audience. Yeah, um, I mean, obviously there's Van Morrison, there's Rory Galler, you know, there'd be a few names that were out there and were, and were achieving it, but Tim Lizzie, I, I think, broke that mould, you know, like even... When you see the footage of them on on top of the pops for the first time in 1973, you know it wasn't. No one had ever been. You know we'd never seen that before. Like that was an incredible moment for Irish people to see our own uh, on the on the world stage like that. And by the time I saw Lizzie in '83, you know they had they had been all over the world. They'd had three or four American tours, huge in Asia, in in Scandinavia, all over Europe, the UK. In Australia, they played, you know, they had played in front of the Sydney Opera House, which is featured in the film, in front of 100,000 screaming fans, you know, so really, really kind of tore it up through that period and, and had achieved incredible success and, and worldwide fame, which was very unusual. I mean, we're, we're used to it now with you two, and, you know, we, we think now it's ordinary. Well, it certainly wasn't ordinary at that point. You know, it was, it was extraordinary, a little black boy from Crumlin, you know, working class housing estate raised by his granny to have achieved those heights was incredible. And and that's really what the film is about. It's about trying to trying to see how he forged that journey, how he forged that path out of a little two up, two down corpo house in, in Leglin Road in Crumlin all the way to uh, the world stage like that. It's an incredible thing to have achieved. And as you say, he broke them all because, yeah, we would have been familiar with Rory Gallagher um, but I think it, uh, Phil would have achieved heights that Rory didn't globally. And uh, the other thing is he broke them all for those that were coming along behind him because I would think the Boomtown Rats, even U2, uh, and in modern-day terms, Damien Dempsey would all have been influenced by f- what Phil achieved and the type of music that he, he uh, created. Yeah, I think, I mean, they're all on record, Um as having said that Philip, you know, looking at Tin Lizzie and Philip in particular made them feel there was no uh, there was no bar to what they could do, you know, that they could actually do it. And and I also think it was it was you know in as much in his, his stagecraft and his songwriting and the quality of the music as it was also in his in his personal approach. You know, he he stayed connected to Ireland and his roots. He stayed very proud of being Irish. He never lost his accent. You know, he had a full, strong Dublin accent, even though he was living in high society in London. You know, he he retained a massive connection to Ireland. And I think that also communicated very strongly then and now to Irish artists that we can do it out of Ireland. We can stay 
of Ireland, of our roots, of our childhood. You know, we don't have to reinvent ourselves as some sort of, you know, miscellaneous world figure. You know, that Ireland is a global idea, that being from Ireland and Crumlin is is, is worth celebrating and is somewhere is a place from which you, you can become an artist and, and and explore your roots and explore your your, your own dreams. There must have been a wealth, or was there a wealth of archival material, video material that you were able to draw on and that helped put this all in context? Yeah, um, certainly, um, I mean, not in the sense of nowadays. You know, you see films about Amy Winehouse or, you know, contemporary films about musicians and, you know, People are recording on their phones. You know, there's a huge amount of... Uh, uh, this was the 70s, the 60s, the 70s, and the 80s is when this, this was this material. And, and I guess not as much footage as you, we would have liked, not as much behind-the-scenes footage is available. But there was an incredible amount of performance material we could have access to, an incredible wealth of um, audio interview, you know, interview that he had done in radio stations and with journalists all over the world for 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 that period of the 13 albums you know that we were able to pour over so it was it was a massive job of work we did a, a shout out to kind of citizen photographers you know to try to find photos of him and and of Lizzie that um photos and footage for example that had never been seen one of the pieces in the film that I really love is early footage of them in um Blackrock Park, maybe it's uh, 70, 71 on stage, and that footage was found by, or was found and filmed by um, Dave Fanning's father-in-law. You know, <laughs> it was a kind of a, it was an incredible attempt by my archive team, my archive researchers, to reach out and find stuff that would, would had never been seen before and might uh, not only really appeal to the fans, you know, who are who have a voracious appetite for more footage and new stuff they've never seen, but talk to non-fans alike about, you know, this journey, this journey of, of this uh, young mixed-race boy out of humble beginnings to where he ended up. Yeah, because you mentioned, of course, with the change in times, I know that uh, back in the mid-70s, uh, I had a Super 8 camera, and, of course, there was no sound, and you had a little three-minute um film that you would send off to be processed so it was all highly expensive and uh, limiting in comparison to the amount of archival material yeah. that will be there for the future so to be able to get something like that is powerful, yeah, powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, you got the opportunity to talk to his daughter Sarah and Kathleen yeah and that was you know it took took a while you know to to persuade them to take part you know they're they're very private people and shy in many ways and uh, I I really wanted them in the film I wanted even though they had very few memories of their dad they're such a huge part of his life and he'd written songs about them and they're very very proud of his legacy their grandchildren are incredibly connected to him and proud of him so really wanted them in the film as the first time they had taken part and and being prepared to talk about their dad with, you know, with intimacy and honesty and allow us into that experience. And, of course, there's incredible footage in the film of them as little small girls attending their father's funeral, you know. So it's, it's an incredibly emotional moment in the film. And, and it was very important to me that he would be, that the film would tell the story of the man, you know, that they would be him him the father, him the husband, him the best friend, not just him the bandmate and the superstar, you know, that you would get to see a rounded or, 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 you know, a whole picture 
of, of all the facets of his life. And of course, when you mentioned the whole picture, uh, Phil had a tragic uh, life in some ways, and he struggled. Uh, he struggled with loneliness, he struggled with addiction issues, which ultimately brought him to an untimely death. So that also would have had implications and ramifications and pain for the children. Yeah, um, and they knew that the film was going to deal with that, uh, you know, that tragic, his tragic premature ending. He was only 36 with small children, you know, like there's no sugar coating that ending, you know, it, 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 it was terrible. And, uh, you know, it, uh, I remember hearing on the radio that, that he had died in, in early 86. And, and, you know, I literally couldn't believe it. I, that feeling of, of uh, how the world can just sideswipe you, you know, a piece of news that would, the whole of Ireland was in shock, you know. Um, but, you know, so the film was going to deal with it uh, and deal with, his, his sad slide into addiction and his premature end, but not, you know, to treat it with with dignity and respect, you know, and, and the compassion it deserved. You know, I think um, the phrase was always on my mind about, you know, there but for the grace of God go I, that feeling of, you know, any one of us as a young 20-year-old man thrust into that scene with all the screaming fans and the adulation, and, and it's the 70s, and I don't think we had, we don't think we had the, the sense of how dangerous those drugs were at that point, you know, in, in a way we do now. So, the film knew it was going to deal with his death and, and 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 that sad ending, but that it was only a part of the story. That the bigger part of the story was his life. That his life was more interesting to me than his death, and his his life, his creativity his joy, what he gave the world, what he gave his friends, and how how he lived, you know, and, and how he wrote, and, and his incredible talent as a songwriter, as a performer, his voice, his bass playing, you know, like, he, you know, I wanted to, we wanted to celebrate the man whilst acknowledging the sad ending, but also, you know, mostly really just put the focus on his incredible legacy, his incredible contribution to, to the world and to music. And as is the case with an awful lot of creative people who are very much in the public eye for short periods of time and then they come off stage and they have to come down, life can be very challenging. Um, we're going to have to wrap up, Emer, and I want to thank you for taking the time. And the documentary will be screened under the EU Film Festival across Canada. That's the European Union Film Festival. And also is being screened at the Toronto Irish Film Festival, the documentary series, and I'll provide you with the dates for that and the website locations. Um, as you mentioned, the previous documentaries you worked on and uh, the outer space, and you, you uh, certainly uh, achieved accolades on that, and congratulations on that also. Uh, but, Emer, I do want to thank you for taking the time. It's been a real honour and a pleasure chatting with you. And uh, I look forward to actually watching the full documentary. Thank you so much. Thanks for taking the time, and I hope your audience uh, tune in and will enjoy the film. <laughs>